the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. It's been quite some time since the Florida Gators have had stability at the quarterback position. Here are just some of the names who have started for the Gators since Tim Tebow left after the 2009 season. John Brantley, Jacoby Brissett, Jeff Driscoll, Treon Harris, Will Greer, Luke Del Rio, Austin Appleby, Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, Emery Jones, Anthony Richardson, and Jack Miller. Trask, who's fighting for his professional life in Tampa Bay right now, is probably the player who had the most success for the Gators out of that group. Well, you can officially add another name to that list, Graham Mertz. Mertz was named the starter last week by head coach Billy Napier, and he'll be the one leading the offense when Florida heads to Utah in the first game of the season on Thursday night, August 31st, in Salt Lake City. Is he perhaps the one who can lead the Gators back from mediocrity, or will the fifth-year senior be just another name on a ho-hum list? To help explain what to expect out of Mertz and the 2023 edition of the Gators as they get set to open their season at Utah, I welcome back Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun. Kevin's been reporting on the Gators during their practices and scrimmages over the past few weeks, and he'll be joining me shortly to tell us what he's been seeing. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. The Florida Gators head into the 2023 season with low expectations, picked to finish somewhere third or fourth in the SEC East. Let's bring in Kevin Brockway to see if he can bestow some hope upon Gator fans. Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. Tim, it's uh, it's good to be here as always. Uh, good to get through... Uh training camp uh covering the gators and uh, we're going to get into games really soon here so it's uh it's an exciting time for sure it sure seems like it got here quick but it also seemed like it took forever to get here so uh, i'm super excited to get football underway and in a way that i haven't seen it in a long time a gator game starting the season on a thursday night and you know let's start right with uh you know one of the biggest questions if not the biggest question on the team and that's, you know, who I alluded to in the intro, Graham Mertz, the quarterback. And you've watched the QB battle over the last few months and really from back in the spring. So how close was the decision between Mertz and Jack Miller? And why did Mertz ultimately win the job? Yeah, I don't think it was very close. I think Mertz really ingratiated himself with the staff, with the players right away. He had the experience of 32 starts from Wisconsin that Jack didn't have. Um you know, and, and Jack, um, you know, I don't think he ever fully recovered from the thumb injury. We found that out, certainly, uh, you know, certainly uh, I wrote a story about that, about his arm strength, that right now he's actually a little bit laid up I and mean, he hasn't thrown for about a week. So I don't think we saw the best version of Jack Miller also in the spring and the fall in terms of his arm strength um, as well, which factored into it. And uh, I just think Graham is, is you know, the uh, the more advanced, the more experienced quarterback. He's smart. He delivers the ball where you want to go. There's a thought that, you know, him operating in the shotgun under uh, Billy Napier is going to result in better success after they you know, mainly worked under center at Wisconsin. Um, and uh, you're hearing a lot of the fact that they, they quote unquote, speak the same language. You know, they're very in tune with each other and what they want from the offense. And, you know, Billy Napier is still going to be calling the plays. And uh, there is a feeling that uh, with, uh 
you know, uh, Graham Mertz, um, they're going to be able to call the right plays and move the chains. Yeah. And, you know, he's got more than 30 starts when he was at Wisconsin. So obviously uh, a lot of really good game experience. And your, your Gainesville Sun colleague, David Whitley, recently wrote a column saying he thinks that Mertz will at least be competent running the offense. Not exactly a, a glaring, uh, you know, uh, positive words, but I believe he said he thinks Mertz will at least be, uh, quote, better than a faulty ashtray, which, uh, high praise, I'm not sure, but w- what did you think about David's column? Well, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Blake Toppenmeyer, who works for a chain, right, uh, ranked him 14th out of 14 SEC quarterbacks. So right there, that tells you, I think he'll be a little better than that. I think um, just the big question mark is, is he going to be able to throw deep? I think that's that's the huge question mark with Graham. I mean, does he have the arm strength uh, to really uh, stretch a defense a little bit? And will there be a book out eventually where teams are going to creep up a little bit defensively uh, and try to take away a lot of the short and intermediate routes? We know he can hit those. I think that's the big question is, uh, you know, can he make those throws downfield and connect that, that we know Anthony Richardson could make, uh, but Anthony couldn't make the short and intermediate cards. It's kind of like a, a mirror opposite of, of what Florida had last year in terms of a quarterback. Oh, geez. It's not what Gator fans want to hear, I'm sure. But you mentioned how USA Today columnist Blake Toppemeyer ranked Mertz 14th dead last among SEC quarterbacks. That's even behind Vanderbilt's A.J. Swan. So what do you consider realistic for him? You know, when it's all said and done, he'll probably be, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of his numbers and so forth. Look, this was a guy who, when he debuted uh, in the Big Ten against uh, Illinois, I believe he's 21 for 22. So we know his accuracy. We know that he can get the ball to receivers. I've seen him hit a lot of receivers and stride in fall camp. Um, and uh, I do think that uh, he's going to connect. And I, I, I do think that he's got some some promising receivers to work with. And, and you have Ricky Pearshaw back uh, for his second year. Um, you know, Caleb Douglas is kind of emerging. And some of these young receivers, Andy Jean and uh, Eugene Wilson, are guys that they both have very bright futures and they're going to contribute right away. I think you're going to see them, uh, you know, Napier give them playing time. Um, and, and they've, they've got some big playability. They've got some speed. Aiden Mizell, another guy from the Orlando area uh, that uh, could be more of a, a deep threat type, but um, Eugene Wilson and Andy Jean, I think on the shorter and intermediate routes and the ability to, uh, you know, make plays right after a catch. Those are two guys that are going to be very intriguing guys for the Gators in this offense. Well, if he has a big year, he could be the uh, most famous Mertz since Fred and Ethel Mertz on the I Love Lucy show. You think he even knows who those are? Yeah, he's heard that before, I'm sure. But uh, I think with, uh, you know, Graham is he's a very personable guy. He is someone that uh, I think, you know, players gravitate to him um, because he does have that leadership intangible. And he does. He seems like he's a guy that, uh, you know, will be a good um, face to a program in terms of a spokesman. Um, You know, he deals with us very well. He dealt with us very well in the spring. He dealt with us very well in his first press conference. He's a personable guy, like I said, and and someone that I think that uh, if he has success this season, uh, you know, um, Gator fans are going to really enjoy because, uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, is open and uh, wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit. So I, I think it'll be a, I think I think it would be a good thing if, if he was successful. All righty. Well, let's move on to the game now. And last year, the Gators opened against number seven, Utah, in the swamp. And it was about 110 degrees on the field. Utah players were throwing up in trash cans. 
and the Gators upset the Utes behind a stellar effort from Anthony Richardson, who was just named the starter for the Indianapolis Colts, by the way. So how different will this year's game be being in Utah? The temperatures are still pretty warm. There's altitude, you know, maybe a little less humidity. So, you know, just talk about this game coming up out, you know, out west. Yeah, no question. And I think, too, you know, when we've asked Napier about the altitude, he's kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. He hasn't really expounded on it. We may ask him when we get back again on Friday or if they're going to go out a day early to get acclimated to it. Um, I don't I haven't heard any plans that they are. Um, you know, I, I know he's doing his radio show on Tuesday night, so that doesn't lead me to believe that he'll be doing it from Utah. So it sounds like that they're going to, you know, fly out on Wednesday, treat it like a normal road trip. Um, but, uh, that's gotta be a little bit of a concern. Uh, I mean, Shane Matthews was talking about going to Denver and it really not being that big of a deal, as long as you had a, a, a day to get acclimated to it. Um, you gotta drink a lot of water, um, you know, uh, in terms of hydration. And we could at least say that this year that Florida has a little bit of a deeper team on the two deep where I think they can rotate guys in more, particularly on the defensive line, uh, this year, defensive tackle, you're not going to see, uh, a guy like Jervon Dexter playing 60 snaps this year. They're going to have a lot more guys that they can rotate in and out. So I think that will be helpful. And uh, listen, Utah's a pretty banged up team right now. Cam Rising, um, you know, I, I think he's going to try to play, but is he going to be 100%, you know, coming off the knee surgery? Uh, that's going to be a big question. And is that going to impact his performance? Uh, and even the tight end, Brad Keithy, too, is, is coming off a knee injury as well. So those are two of their better offensive players. So uh, uh, that's going to be interesting to monitor, uh, you know, coming up in the, the next week or so. Yeah, it seems like the Gators got the Utes at the right time last year and this year then. But, you know, Billy Napier also, he, he shouldn't poo-poo it too much because Utah is over 4,200 feet of altitude, where Gainesville is about 150 feet above sea level and being someone who knows from experience running here in Florida and running up in the mountains they are a whole different animal so uh, you know they probably should get out there a day or two early and run those guys around so they can see it but you know Florida's defense they were 11th in the league last year in receiving yards allowed per game and 12th in rushing yards allowed per game and 12th in total yards per game so in other words the defense was pretty bad so is this current squad better or worse and how do they stack up to Utah's offense, even with rising injured? There is a, a lot of optimism about the defense with the new coordinator, Austin Armstrong. I would say if Patrick Tony was back, you would be a little more concerned. But from what we saw in the spring game in terms of uh, the style, the number of sacks, uh, every everybody that we talked to about Austin Armstrong, all the players love his energy. Uh, they say it's going to be more of an attacking defense, uh, which I think Gator fans will welcome. And so I think that there's a feeling or at least an optimism that uh, the defense will be better this year. And I think there's more depth on that side of the ball. Um, they've been a little banged up there. Losing Justice Boone, obviously, is a blow defensive end. We lost him for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, but Princely, Lee Emelian is a guy who, uh, you know, came on really in, in November after Brendan Cox got kicked off the team. Uh, they have a lot of high hopes for him as an edge rusher. Uh, you've got two big guys in the middle now, and Des Watson and Cam Jackson. And Caleb Banks is another transfer from Louisville that's had a really good camp. And Jason Marshall is probably one of the best corners in the SEC. Um, and uh, they're going to probably play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, a little more press coverage as well. I think the big question will be the other corner, whether it's going to be Jalen Kimber or Devin Moore. Uh, and R.J. Moten, a transfer in at safety, 
uh, from Michigan, brings a little pedigree coming from a, a winning program and a guy who's uh, very cerebral. And his you know, father, Ron Moten, uh, was a former Gator linebacker in the 1980s. So being a Gator, I think, really means a lot to him. So they've added quite a few transfers. A linebacker, too, Shamar James has been a little banged up this fall camp, but he appears to be back now and uh, is another guy I think that's poised to have a big season. Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the Gators on a Saturday, they had a, a fan day out on the field where, where people could come in and meet some of the players, have their pictures taken. My cousin is a pretty big guy. He's a, he's a weightlifter. His arms are probably as thick as my waist. He stood next to Des Watson and looked like a child. Can you explain what it looks like when you're standing next to someone that's six and a half feet tall and 430 pounds? Yeah, does uh, you know, I think uh, strength coach Mark Hockey, Hockey called him the eighth wonder of the world. And uh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty fair assessment. But I think the thing with Des is for guys big as he is, he is nimble. You know, he's got some, you know, we, we saw that in that little strip sack in the South Carolina game last year, um, which makes him, uh, you know, an intriguing guy in the middle. But I, I think the big question is, again, you know, at that size, how much you can sustain, how many snaps can you sustain? And that's why they got in Cam Jackson, um, you know, adding uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, Caleb Banks will help. I think they feel like they're they're a legit five deep in the defensive tackle area, which will allow them to rotate guys in and out. Now, they, they've moved Tyreek Sapp to the edge um, and Caleb Banks a little to the edge, too. But I think those are hybrid guys that can move inside. And, and so can Kelby Collins uh, is another guy that, you know, you can play inside, you can play outside. Um, so they're going to have some options there and some depth. And, uh, I think that that's gonna, I think that's going to help and it's going to help Des be better and, and the whole defense be better. Yeah. So are you rooting for Florida to play TCU in the national title game? So you could see Des on the defensive line going up against big Bubba on TCU, who is 455 pounds. I, I would love to see a thousand pounds of beef running into each other. That would kind of be like a sumo wrestling, you know, match, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> having those, having those two guys go at it, but that would be, uh, that would be interesting. But uh, there's, there's a long way to go for that. For uh, you know, uh, certainly TCU is coming up an incredible season and could be back in the college, you know, football playoff. But I think for Florida, that's, uh, that's going to be a, a really big ass this season. <laughs> well, and and you mentioned, uh, you know, briefly the Justice Boone injury. Why don't you tell us how he got injured and what his status is? Yeah, no, it was a kind of a fluke thing. He was just celebrating, you know, and um, it was an unfortunate injury. Uh, it was during the first scrimmage and, um, you know, torn ACL. So he is done for the year. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be back at all unless he rehabs very quickly. But uh, I would say that, yeah, they're, they're not going to have justice this year. It's interesting. They, you know, you, you talked about. Uh, you know, the uh, defense of the edge rushers meeting room, the defensive line move, they have his jersey actually hung up there and people have inscribed little things to him and so forth and everything. So I think that proves a little bit, you know, how tight this group is and how much, you know, their teammates mean to him. Uh, you know, Jack Pyburn is a guy as an edge rusher too, a uh, kid from Jacksonville Bowles uh, that's had a really good camp. And he's another one too that, you know, could surprise and, and make a little bit of an impact here on, on the defense. I think they're really, uh, they're really high on his, his potential. And uh, as a guy that could potentially uh, replace Boone on the edge there. righty. So when you look at Utah's defense, what do they do? Well, are they good at getting to the quarterback? Could they potentially struggle against what I think is the Gators strongest unit, the running backs, you know, cause 
that big things are, are expected from Montel Dr- Johnson and Trevor Etienne. So, you know, talk a little bit about the matchup of Utah's defense against Florida's offense. Yeah, you know, Utah's a physical team. They can stop the run. I think last year what happened was certainly Richardson had a huge day because they, they played man coverage and Richardson could really scramble. They didn't really spy him very well and he made plays. Now, Graham Mertz is not Anthony Richardson in that regard, you know, but he has said that he's he does have eight rushing touchdowns. He joked most of them are on sneaks and he said he has uh, improved a little bit with his, uh, you know, working with Florida strength staff with his mobility and, and so forth. So I think that's just going to be the key for Florida is to be able to uh, attack, get the ball out quickly. Don't let their pass rush be a factor um, and, uh, you know, be able to move the ball down the field. But I think Florida should be able to score some points. I guess Utah, it's just going to be a question of, uh, you know, how many they're going to give up. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the downfield passing aspect from Mertz. You know, when it comes to the wide receivers, Ricky, Ricky Pearsall is probably the name most Gator fans are going to know. And quite honestly, when you look at the depth chart, I'm not sure if many fans could name any of their tight ends. Maybe Dante Zanders, maybe not. But talk about the team's pass catchers and uh, who else we should know. Yeah, you know, with Dante Zanders, uh, you know, he's been banged up with an injury in, in fall camp, which is somewhat concerning because, you know, he's the most experienced guy. But that being said, you know, Arliss Portingham is coming off a, a strong spring and he brings a real, you know, pass catching element as a redshirt freshman. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Billy Napier has been really high on the two, uh, two other young tight ends, Tony Livingston and Hayden Hansen as well. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a a changing of the guard there in terms of that position. Uh, Jonathan Odom is a guy that was effective in the red zone last year too. He's coming off a knee injury, but he's been practicing on and off sometimes in a non-contact Jersey, sometimes uh, in a regular Jersey. Um, So I think there will be some options there at the tight end spot. And uh, as far as receivers are concerned, you know, we've mentioned Andy Jean, Eugene Wilson, Caleb Douglas is a guy who's, who's taken a step forward. Uh, We'll, we'll see what, you know, Jacravion favors is a big target. Uh, and was someone who, uh, you know, obviously had a, a great catch in, in the Texas A&M game and then got injured and that kind of derailed his season. But he's a guy who uh, certainly, uh, you know, brings uh, brings that element to it in terms of uh, just being a big target and a pass catcher. So I think they've got some guys. A lot of them are young. And I think the young receivers, like I said, Andy Jean, Eugene Wilson, Aiden Mizell are going to play uh, and have an opportunity to make some plays this season. All righty. So now, Kevin, it is prediction time. When all is said and done next Thursday, what do you think the outcome of the Florida-Utah game will be? Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Utah is going to get their revenge and pull it out at home. I'm predicting a 20-17 to 17 type game. But I think, you know, I think Utah, Florida's defense is going to show some improvement. That's going to be the bright spot of the game. I just don't know what Graham Mertz and his first start and this offense, I think, is going to take a little bit of a step back. Uh, in terms of big playability and, you know, and it, they'll move the chains, they'll sustain some drives. But uh, I do think, uh, and, and I think the altitude in the fourth quarter will, will play a factor as well. So I'm going to go with the Utes in this one, um, but I think it'll be a game that Florida can can take some things from and build upon uh, for the SEC schedule when they return home for the next three games. Alrighty, so if you have it by three points, the spread right now is Utah favored by seven. So Bet the Gators if if you agree with Kevin, and the over-under total is 45.5 points. And the line opened at 9.5. I'm sure Cam Rising's injury probably had a little bit to do with the 2.5 points coming down so far. But, hey, there's, there's another more than week left, so we'll see if that moves. So 
Uh, how about season predictions, Kevin? Most people have Florida winning six or seven games, finishing third or fourth in the SEC East. Do you agree with those presumptions? Yeah, I think they're going to show a little progress this year. Like I said, I think the defense will be better. I think Graham Merch will be a better fit for what Billy Napier wants to do. Uh, one of my bold predictions, which is going to be at tomorrow, is they're going to beat Tennessee in the Swamp. I think that's going to be a big upset, and I think that's going to, coming off the loss to Utah, I think that's going to really kind of rejuvenize the fan base and restart the season a little bit. Um, and uh, I think they're going to find a way to win some of the games they're supposed to win, Kentucky, South Carolina. Uh, but, you know, that schedule gets brutal late October, early November with Georgia and LSU. So I'm I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say eight and four. I'm going to look on the bright side here. I, I think they'll finish. Uh, but uh, I don't see them, like I said, getting past Georgia, LSU. Um, I think that FSU game at the end of the year could be problematic, even though it's in the swamp. Um, but uh, I do think that they're going to, like I said, uh, you know, go to a little bit of a better bowl game this year and show some progress. Uh, and it could be, you know, perhaps probably a launching point for year three when DJ Lagway comes in um, and, and, you know, Billy Napier's recruiting class, which right now is ranked third in the nation, uh, to really take hold and build another layer of depth on this team. Yeah, you know, when you look at uh, FSU and Mike Norvell, you know, he was given some patience a little bit more than his previous coach. How patient do you think, may maybe after this year, but going into year three for Billy Napier, if, if people don't start to see results, do you think next year is when people get a little antsy? I think so, but, you know, I think the only opinion that really counts is Scott Strickland. And as long as Scott Strickland is around, I think, you know, he's going to be safe for four or five years. I, I think he really wants to give Billy Napier a chance to build this thing. And he's always talked about building something that's sustainable. So I, he's going to give him, Scott Strickland is going to give Billy Napier time to build something that's sustainable. And by time, that means a full recruiting cycle, which is four years. So I would be shocked. Um, even if, you know, they don't make progress this year and it's another seven and six, six and seven season, you know, I don't think he's pulling the plug anytime soon. I still think he's going to let Billy Napier build and let them see it through. Um, it's not going to make fans too happy, but I think Scott has the right idea there in terms of, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, he's, he's got to build a little bit of a foundation first uh, before you can expect, uh, you know, big time results. And maybe it'll pay off in the end in terms of, you know, having those real breakthrough 10 or 11 win seasons that uh, Gator fans are looking for. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. You need a little stability right now, especially with the changing landscape of college football. You've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in next year. Things are going to be crazy, and if you keep swapping out coaches, you're never going to find that continuity. So, you know, I, just Gator fans, you know, if they don't see what they want to this year or next year, be patient, because I think Billy is a young guy, early 40s, has a lot of good things ahead of him. So, you know, uh, Kevin, now I wanted to talk about quarterbacks a little bit more, but instead of Florida's quarterback, I want to talk about all of Florida's quarterbacks at the big four programs. So when you look around the state, you have Jordan Travis at FSU, who's a Heisman favorite this year. You have John Rice Plumley at UCF. You have Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. And then, of course, Graham Mertz in Gainesville. So I'm going to ask you five questions, and I want you to tell me which of those four QBs you like in the following scenarios. So who out of those four do you think will have the most passing yards at the end of the year? Hmm, that's interesting. Um... For passing yards, I'll go Van Dyke. All right. And, yeah, he's definitely shown, what did he have, six 300-yard games 
or something like that his first season. And then he struggled a little bit last year, but he came on late in the end. So I think I would agree with you there that uh, Tyler Van Dyke is the one maybe with the, the most golden of arms out of those four. Yeah. Uh, the key down there with Miami is they've got to keep him upright, though, because I was at a game against Duke where he got knocked out of the game. Uh, so as long as he is healthy, I will say Van Dyke, but that's going to be a big key. But they have Mario Cristobal has improved the offensive line down there. He's made that a priority. So I, I think that will happen. All right. So out of those four quarterbacks, which one will have the most rushing yards at the end of the year? Yeah, Jordan Travis, for sure there. I mean, I think Jordan is is the dynamic in terms of uh, his ability to, and we saw that last year in the Florida FSU game, his ability to uh, turn something out of nothing um, when the pocket breaks down and his ability to escape and make plays. Uh, he's the guy in the scrambling scenario that I'd like the most out of the four quarterbacks. All right. I actually will take John Rice Plumley at UCF because he reminds me a lot of Jordan Travis, who two years ago was a running quarterback. And then last year, Travis really upped his throwing game. Uh, Plumley, they they want to up the throwing game. He ran a lot last year, so I think it'll be between those two. But I'll uh, I'll take Plumley in that scenario. Who do you think throws the most touchdowns out of the four? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would probably I'll still go I'll go Jordan Travis because I think FSU will have the best season and the best offense of the bunch. So I will uh, I'll stick with Travis. I mean, I could go with either Travis or Van Dyke. I mean, Gus Malzahn's offense will be interesting, but. Uh, I think UCF, their first year in the Big 12, is going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him. So I, yeah, I will say Jordan Travis. Yeah. I will agree with you on that one. I think Travis, that the offensive weapons they have up there in Florida State, that's the, you know, Gator fans don't want to hear this. That's going to be a fun team to watch. That's going to be an explosive offense. All right, two more. Whose team will win the most games? Yeah, I'll have to go uh, Jordan Travis again in Florida State. I mean, I think that they're the best team in the state right now. I think they showed that last year. And uh, I think Jordan Travis will be one of the reasons why. But, you know, FSU's got that defense, too, a version. <laughs> uh, they've got some dudes. And plus playing in the ACC, it's a different animal than playing in the SEC. Like I said, UCF in the Big 12, I think that there's going to be an adjustment there. I still think Miami is in a similar boat in Florida and that, you know, they're trying to build something, but they're still a few years away. So, yeah, I will. I will say Jordan Travis at Florida State. All right, and then the final one, and I think this is a two-horse race here. Who is the best NFL prospect out of the four? Mm, that's interesting. I might say uh, Van Dyke, just because he's the most pure pocket passer. Um, and uh, I think he will be the guy that will probably hear his name called. I just I don't know if Jordan Travis has the uh, you know ability to uh, – you know, sustain, uh, you know what I mean, in, in, in the uh, in the NFL because of his size but and, and his mobility. But certainly, um, yeah, I will I will definitely go with Van Dyke there. I agree with you fully. I, I think that he's probably the one that uh, scouts look at. And, of course, they always look at, you know, accuracy and things like that. And I, I think Van Dyke, he's, he's got a real high upside. But I also think Jordan Travis might surprise a lot of people. So it's going to be fun watching that. When FSU and Miami meet, that should be a great game. So, you know, Kevin, for Florida – when you look at, you mentioned the back half of that schedule is truly a murderer's row. But after Utah, you have McNeese State, Tennessee, Charlotte, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. And, you know, uh, you don't want to take anything for granted, but you hope to beat McNeese State and Charlotte. You said you're going to pick Tennessee as an upset for the Gators, and you'd hope they would beat Vanderbilt. So the other game in there, Kentucky, who's had Florida's number now for a couple of years. What do you think about that game coming up? Yeah, that's going to be a big game, and it's going to be interesting. But I think that's another certainly winnable game for Florida if they came in the right mindset. 
you know, um, I, Chris Doring, we had him on a podcast. He's still high in Kentucky. He was high in Kentucky last year. He thinks uh, Devin Leary, the transfer from NC State, is going to be pretty good. And, you know, Mark Stoops has built a pretty solid program. But, you know, Kentucky is one of those teams that, uh, you know, that, uh, they say in the golf parlance they can shoot an 80. Like, they lost to Vanderbilt also, along with Florida last year. So maybe this is one of those games where they come in, you know, dare we say overconfident and shoot an 80. Um, and, uh, you know, don't have their best game the way Florida did at the swamp after beating Utah, uh, where they had kind of a mistake filled game. And obviously Anthony Richardson had his, his went from having his best game of the season, to having his worst game of the season. So maybe, maybe this is the time where they, you know, Florida comes in with the right focus. And again, I think the defensive improvement is going to help in games like that. Um, because I think the defense will keep them in a lot more games this season. I'm really high on Austin Armstrong and what he's going to bring to this defense. I might be dead wrong and maybe I misread the spring game, but I think a lot of us saw what he did and saw some of the, you know, I think uh, unique ways to get to the quarterback and put pressure on the quarterback. And we think that he's going to be a lot of people on the speed think he's going to really make, uh, really make an impact defensively. All right. Well, there you have it. So it looks like Florida, they've got a long way to go, but there's also some hope on the horizon. So Kevin, what else will you be working on over the next couple of weeks leading up to the first game of the season, August 31st, Thursday night against Utah? You know, I have kind of a fun story coming up, uh, you know, this week about uh, the last time Florida played a Thursday night game, which was in 1992 in Starkville. And uh, I talked to the HBC, Steve Spurrier, Shane Matthews. It was his homecoming game and he had a rough day and uh, Kevin Carter. And it was, it was really interesting how, you know, even though they lost that game, they got, you know, pummeled. It was the 30 to six game, how it transformed their season. And they went on to win seven in a row. Uh, they won the SEC East, um, then faced, you know, Alabama in that title game and, and lost to Alabama uh, in 1992. But uh, it really was more about, you know, how that game changed their season and how they moved. Uh, you know, they, they made some personnel moves. They moved uh, Jason Odom. Uh, they burned his red shirt. Uh, and played him on the offensive line because the offensive line w- was having issues protecting Shane Matthews throughout that game. So very that that's going to be a fun story this week. I'm really looking forward to finishing that up and and writing it. All right, very cool. And just uh, to throw some numbers out there, Kevin, for people who are wondering, from 1990 to 2010, the Gators in that 21 year span averaged 10 wins a season, had 11 bowl victories, and three national championships. Since then. They've only had four times in 12 seasons where they've had double-digit wins, and they've had four sub-500 seasons. And for context, from 1961 through 2012, they had four sub-500 seasons. So let's hope that that doesn't help uh, happen again. So, Kevin, uh, if people want to follow along and find the story you were just talking about and all of your stories, aside from at Gainesville.com, where, they, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, Gainesville.com, Gatorsports.com, and uh, Twitter at Kevin Brockway, G1. Um, follows are always appreciated and um it's uh it's been a good camp in that regard i've been getting a few more followers here and there which is nice i think people people like those practice videos uh believe it or not so uh uh but uh those are going to be uh i think curtailed now that the season is starting but uh we'll we'll be able to provide plenty of other info uh throughout the course of the year so uh feel free to follow us and uh you know uh, give us a read and uh we're, we're trying to uh, provide uh, the best gator coverage on the beat And I need to correct myself because I keep calling it Twitter. It's now X. And as Ken Willis, our Daytona Beach News Journal NASCAR writer, pointed out, 
does that mean that your handle is your X handle? So uh, I thought that was a pretty good joke. How about that? Yeah, no, it's a very, uh, very sharp one from Hey Willie. He does a great job as always. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, I appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to your coverage on the game. We will be watching with interest and, you know, everybody read his stuff because Kevin Brockway is as good as anyone out there. Kevin, as always, I appreciate you joining me on the show. Thank you, Tim. Pleasure. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote Gators coaching legend Steve Spurrier, we're going to play like winners. Play the game the way it's meant to be played. Don't get full of yourself if something good happens. Don't get too depressed when something bad happens. It's a lot to ask of young people, but it can be done. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time.